the worst thing, one of the worst things I've ever heard, Debbie. Mm-hmm. We're pulled over on the left. Everybody was okay, but we're pulled over on the left shoulder. My van's all messed up. I hit some guy. You know, it's just, it's the worst. I hear you on the radio talking about my crash. <laughs> oh, ah, man. Like a nickel. Yeah, oh northbound 43, we got a crash. It's off to the side, but backups are going. With it. I just felt, Shane, Shane, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 7-11 on this Friday morning today at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. The bodies of three American soldiers will come home. They were Army reservists killed in the drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan over the weekend. It's called a dignified transfer. CBS News reporter Linda Kenyon. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says President Biden will be there. This Friday, uh, the President and the First Lady are honored to attend the dignified transfer of the three U.S. Army soldiers we lost in Jordan. That's a tough day. That is a tough day. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says while the president will be at Dover Air Force Base, he will not deliver remarks. There is a ritual to it, um, and it's very somber and it's very solemn, and, uh, and that's not the place for speeches. The president has pledged a response to the militant attack, but has not disclosed any details. Linda Kenyon, CBS News, the White House. And nothing new to report to you on that front. We have been told there will be multiple targets and that the response may play out over time. But so far, we haven't seen, Eric, any military action from the U.S. I assume we'll hear about it after the fact, right? right? This will happen and we'll come in one morning and look at all of these targets that have been hit. And right at some point, right, they'll detail exactly yeah. what that was. Uh, Our dead include Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, 46, Carlton, Georgia. Specialist Kennedy Layden Sanders, 24, Waycross, Georgia. Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffitt, 23, Savannah, Georgia. Now, the president did speak with their families. All, according to the White House, did bless his presence at the solemn ceremony today. And I think it is appropriate, given the political climate, that the president asked I would hope that regardless of who the commander-in-chief is, that moment would not be politicized. It appears these families will be grateful to have the president there. But I do appreciate that he asked, hey, this is your moment. So if you would like for me to be there, I would like to be there. But that's your call. And as far as what we'll see in terms of images can go either way. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said we may see images from the dignified transfer. We may not. The families get to determine whether they want media to be there. Uh, and in some cases, when you have, uh, when you, we've had multiple families involved, some families want it, some families don't. And so the media are allowed to witness a transfer or two, and then they are taken away for the ones that the families don't. Remember, too, dozens of other soldiers were injured in that attack. The U.S., as we said, right. planning its response, have not gotten an update on the severity of those injuries, but none have since died. So we, we do know that. Um, these now Gold Star families will bring their loved ones home today. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The twists and turns of a wild offseason continued on for the Milwaukee Brewers Thursday night. Corbin Burns, the 2021 Cy Young Award winner for the crew, was traded away to the Baltimore Orioles. In return, the Brewers getting shortstop prospect Joey Ortiz, left-handed reliever D.L. Hall, and the 34th pick in this year's MLB draft. Jesse Rogers, ESPN's MLB reporter, discussing the trade for the Brewers. For Milwaukee, it's a little bit of a retool. This is what the smaller markets have to do. Burns was going to be a free agent after this season, so they go ahead and pick up D.L. Hall, a 
25-year-old pitcher, also Jory Ortiz, an infielder, who both players should be able to contribute to the Brewers this season. Brewers general manager Matt Arnold also meeting with the media on Thursday evening, addressing how this trade could impact 2024. I think we've added a number of pieces, including uh, Reese Hoskins, that we feel really good about. And um, I I wouldn't at all look at this as any kind of rebuild at all. Uh, This is something, in fact, that we think helps us right now and helps us in the future. And so, again, adding, you know, veteran players like we have, bringing back guys like Wade Miley, but also making moves like this and then investing long term in somebody like Jackson Churio, I think speaks to the to the balancing act that we're trying to uh, walk here, you know, with which is help the major league team and also try to win for many years to come. Brewers and uh, pitchers and catchers for the Brewers set to report on February 15th. Over to the NFL, where the offseason in Green Bay rolls on. Packers general manager Brian Gutekinds conducted his end-of-the-season press conference on Thursday afternoon, opening it up with some praise for his head coach and the NFL's youngest roster. Yeah, i got to give Matt and his staff a ton of credit. You know, obviously there's a bunch of uh, new moving pieces, and obviously we, we dealt with some injuries you know, along the way like all teams do. Uh, but give those guys a lot of credit, uh, and the players themselves, just for kind of sticking with it, fighting through things, uh, coming together, um, never really losing faith. And um, but uh, there was, you know, I think, again, at the end of the season, we were playing our best offensive football. Um, we became very dangerous. LaFleur not the only one getting praise. Goody also acknowledging the job well done by first-year starter in Jordan Love. What was an up-and-down season and what impressed him the most? I think just the way he led our football team, you know, through the tough times, through the success. Um, all the challenges that a season, you know, kind of brings you. He just he did a really good job kind of leading those guys. And I think for a young player in his first year, that's trying to figure it all out to be able to do that was uh, exceptional. Goody also saying the team has no plans to trade away cornerback Jair Alexander, and he also said he expects running back Aaron Jones to return for 2024. And lastly, over to College Hoops, where the Wisconsin Badgers once up 18 points in the second half. They fall to the Huskers in Nebraska. This one went to overtime by a final score of 80-72. to The loss dropping the six-ranked Badgers to 16-5 and five on their season, as well as 8-2 and two within the Big Ten. And real quick here, Vince, the Admirals going for number 12 tonight. Win number 12 in a row. Who will step up and give us <laughs> our just desserts? Sports fans in Milwaukee and Wisconsin get free stuff when one of our teams wins 12. Period. Step 12 up. in a row. Somebody's got to step up. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Maybe some kind of frozen custard because of the ice, the ice factor. Oh, yeah, I love it. Mm. I like that one. All right. Colors. A lot of custard places. Culver's hear ye, <laughs> hear ye, all frozen custard peddlers. Be it Cops, be it Culver's, be it Leon's on the south side. How about Gillies and Wauwatosa? Call on you. Who's giving free stuff for 12? Actually, let's hope the ads get there first. 718 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. 722 on Wisconsin's Morning News, in case you were wondering, Punk's Tony Phil did not see his shadow, therefore, thus predicting an early spring. And we got the penguin at the zoo coming out at 9 o'clock yep, or something. 9 a.m. before the zoo opens. You ever been in a freeway crash? Like car I, accident on the freeway? No, thank God. Not a good thing. I have. Oof. So we were at northbound 43. We were like Glendale or thereabout, right near Nicolet, okay. the high school. And we're going to see some friends in Cedarburg. I got the fully loaded minivan. Wife and three kids in the back, okay? And it was my fault. I rear-ended a guy. It was like stop-and-go traffic and started to go. And I'm like, okay, loosened up. We're cruising. 
wasn't paying attention, and it oh. stopped again. And I so Dope. the worst thing, one of the worst things I've ever heard, Debbie. Mm-hmm. We're pulled over on the left. Everybody was okay, but we're pulled over on the left shoulder. My van's all messed up. I hit some guy. You know, it's just it's the worst. I hear you on the radio talking about my crash. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Like a nickel. Yeah, oh northbound my 43, we got a crash. It's off to the side, but backups are going. With it. I just felt, shame, shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> That's me. Ah, it's the worst. It can happen. Your fault or not. And in this month's Driver's Ed with Debbie, she's going to walk us through what we should do if you unfortunately end up in that situation. There's a law on the books that a lot of folks don't realize is there, but it affects your commute anytime there's an accident. It's called Steer It and Clear It. The statute basically was put into place 20 years ago to allow for motorists to be able to move their vehicles without uh, fear of any type of civil liability from the roadway where the crash occurred to get it out of the traffic. Now, wait a minute. I thought we weren't supposed to move our cars after an accident till the police get there. I mean, there's evidence, isn't there? Captain Clark of the Wisconsin State Patrol. So that's the next step in this statute. Law enforcement can now also advise you to move those vehicles out of the roadway. Now this really only counts if it's a property damage only accident. Uh, Property damage crash, they're pretty simple to figure out. We can uh, do that from the safety of the roadway or the crash investigation sites. I see it all the time. An accident occurs and nobody moves out of traffic. On average, did you know that for every minute a car is in the lane of traffic flow, four minutes of delay materializes? So if you're in traffic, say, for five minutes, it'll turn into a 20-minute delay when all is said and done. Anyone who's been stuck in traffic knows how aggravating that is. That's what this statute is made for. But what if there are injuries? Well, personal injury crashes are not covered under the steer to clear it law, okay? So that's something that we do want to be able to get eyes on. It's, it's a little bit more serious, and there may be some t- criminal impacts uh, resulting from those crashes. So what's our step-by-step when in an accident on the freeway? The first thing to do is, of course, we want you to get out and confirm that there are no other injuries to the other involved parties in the crash. Once we've determined that there is nobody injured, because life safety is the most important thing that we should be talking about, we want you to move those vehicles to a safe location. We would prefer you to move over to the right shoulder. That's going to allow traffic to continue to flow past the crash scene and expedite law enforcement response to the crash scene. Once you're there, we want you to call 911 and uh, await for arriving law enforcement response. And for heaven's sake, stay in your vehicle. Secondary crashes are real. Statistics show that about a fifth of secondary crashes uh, result in fatalities, and so the safest place for a, a human being is inside the, the protection system of, of another motor vehicle. Uh, wait for law enforcement to respond, and the officer will guide you from there. Okay, so we need to move out of traffic. What if the other driver looks shady and may take off before you get any information? Well, the number one thing they should do is note down the license plate of the vehicle and the uh, description of the vehicle. Getting that information relayed via that 911 phone call is very important because it's going to be recorded for And don't forget your trusty camera on your phone. Take a snapshot of the car and the motorist. If you want emergency crews or law enforcement to get to your scene as soon as possible, don't create a jam up. The safest thing they can do in a property damage crash is steer it and clear it. Get out of the roadway, get onto the shoulder, get to the new crash investigation sites that we have around southeastern Wisconsin, and await for law enforcement's response. Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. Yeah, solid advice, Deb. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I I see it every single day. Whenever there's an accident, then you just 
when you see it from a 10,000 foot view here, the way I look at traffic, and it just starts to bunch up, starts to bunch up, and nobody wants to get it out of traffic. They're walking around their car. They're looking at I'm like, oh my God, get back into your car. You're going to get right. hit. And I so. think, to your point, most people want to do the right thing. They just don't always know what that is. So, exactly. you know, you're afraid to move. Like, am I supposed to wait? Does somebody need to take this report? You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to preserve the scene. So really timely advice. Appreciate the update. And again, sorry about that backup on I-43 a few years ago. <laughs> Keeping me uh, gainfully employed, yeah. my friend. <laughs> my bad. Something to look forward to on Monday's show. Eric and I are going to take you through the new part. Now, they don't call it the new part. They call it the, the North End. <laughs> yes, the North End of the add-on to the Baird Center, which is now the name for Milwaukee's downtown convention center. And for years, they've been building this expansion that even when the center launched, was always the long-term plan. Finally got the financing through and got that deal done, and so it's going to open this spring. Got to tell you this, I, I, you know, whenever you see something like this, you're not sure what it's going to be toured. Like you're like, okay, yeah, it'll be kind of neat. Pretty cool in there. Yeah, super cool, and we'll explain on Monday. And every single corner of this redesigned project or this new design has been thought of. Correct. Anything that is in there has been put there for a specific mm-hmm. reason, to right. draw more conventions, to draw more big events, to please those people who shop around for where are we going to have our things. And it's, uh, I mean, the word I would use to describe it is versatile. Correct. Oh, it's a great word. They can tailor make yep. every space in there to exactly the needs to fit whatever convention. For size, scope, yeah. color, What do you anything. want? Yes. Where do you want to, do you want to be outside? Yes. Do you want to be inside? All of that stuff. So really interesting. Eric and I are going to take you through that walkthrough. We'll do that on Monday's show. In the convention center, that's, that part's not open yet. Opens in spring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the convention center continues functioning. And in the convention center this weekend. This is how a unicorn walks. Walks. And this is how a unicorn talks. Unicorn World, described in the news release here as an immersive, interactive, and themed experience for all ages, gallops into Milwaukee February 3rd through (laughs) 4th at the Baird Center. So they said they're going to have, like, life-sized moving and neighing unicorns. Okay. Vent geared towards all ages. I was telling my daughter about this, and she said, low-key, middle school me would have been there. Both days. <laughs> right? yeah. She's in high school now, so has sort of aged out of it. But uh, yeah, actually, like if you got kids who are into that, that'd be. Um, can you imagine they'd oh, lose their minds oh, in there? Oh, there is a media invite for today. You should wander over there. I would super actually like to go see that. The event is Friday and Saturday for the public, nine a.m. to six p.m. on Friday. Saturday is nine to five thirty. With folks uh, available there. I'm not sure what the ticket sitch is there. Sorry. Yeah, 9 to 5.30 on Saturday, 10 to 5.30 Sunday. on Sunday. Yeah. Not sure what the ticket sitch is there for you, but that is out there for the kids or maybe older if you like it. Now you're in the unicorn, no. Wow. Soon you'll be a unicorn pro. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain. We can't fly. An apology from U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. I should have told the president about my cancer diagnosis. I should have also told my team and the American public. And I take full responsibility. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. Austin issuing that public apology for keeping his cancer diagnosis a secret, not telling anybody he had complications from his surgery last month to remove prostate cancer. Spent several days in intensive care. Didn't tell anyone, deputy. After the fact. Yeah, had the surgery, went home, had complications, went back back. into the hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, he admits it it was something that, quote-unquote, scared him. I was being treated for prostate cancer. 
The news shook me, and I know that it shakes so many others, especially in the black community. It was a gut punch. And frankly, my first instinct was to keep it private. He said that uh, the American people can count on him to be better moving forward. Didn't really ever get an exact reason as to why he didn't think to tell anybody. Yeah, you know, my issue, great empathy for him. Sure, of course. Everybody has someone in their lives, maybe you personally, like, have been touched by cancer. So I think he really illustrates the weight that that can have Mm -hmm, on a person mm -hmm. quite well. Even if you don't have to, you don't have to tell anybody that it's cancer. You don't have to tell anybody why you're in there. But you got to tell somebody you're in the hospital and not able to do your job. I think that's, that's the issue that you have, you know. In terms of the man, got no problem with him. In terms of the U.S. Secretary of Defense, we did some stuff wrong there, and uh, we need to clean that up. 745, Brandon's got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Corbin Burns era in Milwaukee is officially over. On Thursday, the Brewers traded away their former Cy Young winner in exchange for left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall, infielder Joey Cruz, and this year's first-round draft pick. ESPN's Jeff Passan joined WTMJ on Thursday night saying he thought the team would have gotten more for one of the league's best pitchers. Yeah, that's the, you know, the part of this deal that I think surprised me is that I I figured for a pitcher of Corbin Burns' caliber, a guy who's won a Cy Young, who I think is probably a consensus top 10 pitcher in baseball at this point. What I think Matt Arnold does is he, he relies on his evaluators. Speaking of Matt Arnold there, the Brewers general manager addressing the media following the trade and how he sees the pieces fitting into 2024. I think the big thing for us, like you said, is is balancing out the deal. And 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 honestly, that was one of the appealing parts of this. When, when we're able to access major league ready players, uh, an infielder that we think can help us this season, uh, a left-handed arm that has had real success in the major leagues already. And then uh, a very high draft pick. You know, we felt like it was really well balanced, and that was really important to us in, in ultimately consummating the, the deal. Brewers pitchers and catchers set to report in under two weeks. They'll set they'll report on February fifteenth out there in Arizona. Over to college hoops for the second straight year, the Nebraska Cornhuskers pulled off a dramatic comeback to beat the sixth ranked Wisconsin Badgers on Thursday night. Wisconsin at one point held an eighteen point lead in the second half but ultimately fall to Nebraska on the road in overtime by a final of 80-72. to Head coach Greg Gard following the loss and what went wrong for his sixth-ranked Badgers. Their uh, energy and, and execution in the second half, obviously, uh, was a difference. I thought they were quicker to lose balls, uh, kept possessions alive, fed off the, the positive things they were doing. And for us, I thought, you know, to, even in the first half, too many jump shots. And then obviously turning the ball over and just fed into the momentum that they were creating. You know, we'll break this down and learn a lot from it and um, move on to the next one. Doesn't get easier for the Badgers as they get set to host the number two ranked Purdue Boilermakers on Sunday afternoon That's in not a Madison. good loss for Bucky. Not a good one, especially right. with Sunday. Purdue well, coming into town, number two ranked Purdue. So maybe it scares them straight, right? Maybe. Fire up and let's uh, get that Sunday afternoon the crowd the going there at the uh, Cole Center. Let's well, go. We'll head over to the NFL real quick where Packers general manager Brian Gunikins held his end of the season press conference confirming he expects to have number 33 back in the fold next season for Green Bay. We'd love to have Aaron back. We're still kind of putting all those things together as far as how we're going to move forward. But, I mean, he was such a difference maker uh, when he was out there this year. The way our offense was able to move, he changed a lot of the way we, we operated when he was in there and when he was healthy. And, you know, not only on the field, but just, and you guys know this, um, you guys that have been around here, I mean, he's such an influential leader in our locker room. He's just really kind of the heartbeat of, of our team. Goody also saying the team, unlike years past, will be able to be free agent players in the upcoming new league year. No, I think we're getting to a little bit better spot than we have been in the past. It's never perfect, but I do feel that 
um, whatever opportunities are out there to improve our team in free agency, that we'll be able to do that. So I feel good about that. You like hearing that? Being being players in free agency for the Packers in 2024? Yeah, I like Something hearing that. Something new, right? <laughs> a little different offseason yeah, like for the Packers, that. a normal offseason for the Packers. What do we need to add? You need some... You I know, need a safety. He, well, and our new D coordinator was talking about yeah. that. I love some of the comments yeah. that he's made since of like, what do we complain about all last year in the defense? The soft middle, <laughs> right? Yep. Exactly. Focus on that. You got to have the pieces. Seven fifty on Wisconsin's morning news. Mark Tauscher is up next. Idea man. I think we can all catch a pass. I don't think any of us are getting in a major league batter's box and hitting a pitch. Innovator. You get ten cuts. Are you putting one in play? And Packers Hall of Famer. I think we take Wisconsin's morning news on the road. This would be a fun little case study to show you, and they're trying to strike us out. Okay. How we're going to do. I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News. Presented by fellow windows and doors of Wisconsin and Kohler Services. 754 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Tausch, Brewers drop a bombshell just a couple of weeks before pitchers and catchers report traded away an effective and popular player. Reaction! I don't think anybody should be shocked. Obviously, we all understand the market we're in and how Major League Baseball isn't the NFL. There's not the salary cap to keep things even. If the Dodgers want to spend a billion dollars on someone, which they do, they go do it, and the Brewers are kind of stuck like, all right, how do we match up? So I don't think it's a shock that a really good pitcher who you have no chance of re-signing at the dollar amount that he's going to want and deserves, and you have to start figuring out as a front office, do we do it the uh, the off season before, or do we do it too to give a little bit more juice to the team that's trading for him and you get more prospects back? Or do you push and try to get that chase that championship that you're in? And I thought the Brewers, they've kind of tried to balance that out, right? They traded Josh Hader. That obviously set off a, a cascade of bad things. And then last year they hung on to everybody and made that push. And that's why I think when you fall short when you do that, you're kind of, how does that saying all go? You're robbing Paul to pay Peter. That's kind of the deal and where you're at. And so now I think Brewers fans in the front office, you don't want to use that rebuild term, but it's very similar, I think, to how the Packers approached last offseason. All right, we're going to go get some young players. We're going to let them develop. And just like you had a hit, Brian Gutekunst had a hit, and he did. Hopefully Matt Arnold's the same way with the prospects that he was able to pick up and with all that young core group of talent that he brought up last year. You know, it's interesting, though, Tausch, and it's a tough equation in a line to walk because you want sustained success. You want your team to be competitive. I mean, for a long time, we in Milwaukee were begging for it. Oh, if it was just 500 baseball, I'd go to the ballpark more often. But, you know, as a fan now, I'm at, I'm at the point is where... Is that like your 60s voice? Or yeah. is there, what is <laughs> well, that? Sure that sounds like the 60s more. media voice. Or you yes. got the little feather in your cap and sure. you're, oh, yeah. What do you say, fellows? Let's hey, go to skip. the ballpark. <laughs> No, like, so, you know, like Vince Lombardi said, I can't remember exactly the quote of the gentleman, I have no interest in just being good. And so I'd either mm-hmm. rather fail loudly here for a few years and build something special in the future or go all in this middle ground. And I'm not saying that that's what this trade is, but if it is, like, middle ground doesn't do it for me anymore. No, the, that's the worst place to be in all sports is to, you know, what, what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing right now. 
kind of rudderless. It's you know eight and nine, nine and eight. Uh, you know the same thing in the NBA. It's the, it definitely. I think the NBA is probably the worst to be hanging around that forty-one win mark, where you're not going to win Jack, and you're not going to be in position to get that young star that can turn your program around. It is the worst place to be, and so I think that always has to be in mind. And that's, I guess, when you look back at that last three or four year run here, you had Woody and Burns, Peralta. You start looking at where that team was and the opportunities being in the playoff mix. You got to cash in on one of them because, again, we don't know what the next season's going to be like. But when you take two stud pitchers out of your equation, you're probably not going to be better. And how and how long it's going to take to get back? There's obviously going to be a ton of questions about how, how all that goes. But I will say this. The Brewers' front, front office has done a remarkable job of restocking and getting that young talent. And last year was a fantastic season up until the postseason push. Talk again next week. Have a great weekend, Tausch. You too, fellas.